Last week we started a series called Ben There, where we're focusing on different aspects in, of our lives and the fact that Jesus actually understands us better than anyone because he has been there in some way in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection. Last week, as I said earlier, we focused on the idea of what are we trying to control that God perhaps wants us to surrender. Some of you, I, I thank you for this. You wrote specifics down on your connection cards, and I, um, I enjoyed reading them because they were a lot of things that I would imagine many of us struggle to control in our lives. And so it was a privilege to be able to pray for you in those areas this past week. Today we are looking at another thing, another favorite, and it's the word wait. Not physical wait, but waiting. And it's very easy to think about this because we all have this in life. In fact, one of the most frustrating feelings sometimes in life is to wait. Does anyone actually enjoy waiting? I'm glad I don't see any hands up because it would probably be a lie for the most part. What are a few examples of waiting that actually drive you crazy? That you just can't stand having to wait. Just throw a few things out there. Traffic. And that goes without saying. Highway 4? No, thank you. Kids throwing tantrums. Yep. And then when you watch the commercial on TV, it's, there's always the smiling mom who you know takes the paper towel and just lovingly deals with it like it's no big deal. No. Waiting for those things stinks. What else? Test results. Test results. When you have a medical test, you get lab work done. Or medical you have to... or school? Or yeah, just... anything. We want to know now. Did I pass? Yeah. Are my levels good? Yeah. Am I trending in the right direction? Yeah. Ezra. For injustice. For injustice be made right. The cry all over scripture, how long, O oh Lord, how long? Maybe for you it's waiting in line at the DMV or for that certain Amazon package to arrive. <laughs> Although at least with Amazon you get a little alert so you know exactly when it's coming. Or the checkout line at a store like when I'm in the grocery store, I am doing a complex calculation in my mind as I walk closer trying to figure out which line I'm evaluating the speed of the checker, the speed of the person in line, how quickly are they moving things out of their cart, and then I'm doing the calculus of that and trying to decide, and I always choose wrong. That's because I got to do a price check. Math. I like math, but it never seems to work out in the checkout line. Or you're at home, you're buffering, you're, you're streaming something, and you get that little twirly on your screen that says it's buffering. Do you remember when your internet was so slow 
that to watch a 30 second clip of something, you would have to buffer longer than 30 seconds just to watch the 30 second clip. Thank goodness we don't have those days as often. Yesterday, on Friday, our power went out for about three hours. It was scheduled, but Rebecca had this comment and she said, it's amazing how unprepared we are as soon as the power goes out. Like, what, do, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to function? There's so many things that we actually rely on that. And waiting for that power to come on on Friday was a very slow process. Of course it's hard to wait because we want to see things now. We don't like to wait. And when you're waiting on God, if we pull back a bit, it can even challenge our faith to wait. Some of you I know have been waiting a long time in your life. You're waiting for God to answer a prayer. You're waiting on God to give you a green light or a red light. You're thinking things like, what, when will I get a job that doesn't stress me out at every possible moment? When will my child come to Christ? When will my friend or my coworker? Lord, when will you do something about the pain that I'm feeling? How long, oh Lord? And whatever it is in your life, whether it's something big or something smaller, you're looking to God for help, maybe in a relationship or for healing or for a way out of crushing debt or for a sense of purpose and direction in your life or to do something significant. And some of you today have been waiting on God for so long that it's tempting for certain questions to come into our mind to think, is God even listening to me? Does God even care? Is God even there? Sometimes we don't like to say that out loud because we're like, oh, am I allowed to even think that? Well, yeah, we do think those things at times. So if you've ever felt like God is taking too long, know that you are not alone. You are not alone. Everyone I know struggles with waiting at some level. And whatever pain you're facing or challenge that you are enduring, know that Jesus understands because he's been there too. Today we explore the question, why is God so slow? Hmm. Or why does God seem so slow? Let's turn to the Bible for wisdom and guidance. I invite you to pray with me as we ask God to open his word. Father, you are indeed gracious and compassionate. We ask that you would open our minds and our hearts to understand your word more and more. Help us to know you more than when we woke up or walked through the doors of this space. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God, why is it taking so long? Since Jesus is God in the flesh, then it means that even as a child and teen, he would have had some understanding of his purpose here on earth. And even though we can't know his mindset in those years, we do know that he had to wait 30 years before starting his public ministry. His mom changed, I don't even, I don't know if they had diapers. His mom changed his dirty diaper. He had tantrums probably. He experienced what it's like to have teen angst. All the things 
And finally, after 30 years, he's able to start his public ministry. That's a long time to wait for anything that God has called you to do. When we look throughout Scripture, especially into the prophets, many of the prophets were called to deliver the Word of God to the people for decade after decade after decade, waiting for change that sometimes never happened. In the Gospel of John, John, I think, is particularly, I wouldn't say obsessed, but he's, he's interested in the idea of time. Over 35 times in his Gospel, he refers to time or some component of waiting for time. He quotes Jesus talking about a specific hour or a time that would come later. Phrases that you will come across as you read your Bible. Things like, my time or my hour has not yet come. Let's quickly look at one of those examples in John chapter 2. This is the first sign that Jesus does in his, you could call it like a public announcement of his ministry. This is that wedding that he attends in Canaan. And he changes water into what? Wine. Coincidentally, this is the favorite Bible story of Napa Valley. (laughs) I think I heard that somewhere. Chapter 2, verse 3 tells us, that the wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Remember, these are experiences that the whole community would be at, and sometimes they went on for a long, long time. And his mom wants him to do something about it. You can imagine her standing there. She's thinking, oh no, this is not going to turn out well. She might even, I imagine her tapping her foot, like waiting for Jesus to do something. She knows that he can. She's been with him his whole life. But how does Jesus respond? Verse 4, he says, I don't know if I would ever get away with this. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, and then this is the key. He says, my time has not yet come. Try that line on your parent. I won't work out too well. Jesus had a completely different idea of what that meant, though. His mother was waiting for decades, knowing who Jesus was. She bore him. She had been told by the angel who he was before he even knew. She saw him grow up as a child, a teen, a young man. She knows that he can do something about it, but she hasn't seen him act in this way quite yet. A clear manifestation of the power of God in and through him. All because my time has not yet come. At least that's what he says right now. We know shortly after this, what does he do? He actually does decide to showcase this power. When it's not God's timing yet, we tend to grow impatient. And we wonder, where is God? Why isn't he doing anything about this? Things like when we see injustice, whether it's close to us or in our world. We see people fighting. We see all the negative things and we wonder, why isn't God doing anything about this? 
Once again, we turn to Scripture. Isaiah 64 says this, For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who what? Wait, Wait for him. Let me say that again. Who works for those who wait for him. In truth, there are so many things that we cannot know about God. We will have a measure of understanding, but there are things that are far beyond us that we will never know. The reality, though, is that the second part of that verse, that is some good news here. And the news is this, that as you wait, as you're thinking about how long, O Lord, God is at work. God is actually doing things. Now, we don't always know exactly how he is at work. He might be working on whatever it is for you. I don't know what your it is. God may be working on that right now, even as we speak. And if you've been waiting for oh so long, I know that that is probably unsatisfying to a degree because you want a little more clarity or certainty of how God is at work. Why is God taking so long, we think? Well, perhaps because it's not ready yet. Or perhaps, just like Jesus said time and time again, its time has not yet come. Or, and maybe this is more true for us, Maybe it's because you are not ready yet. Maybe it's because I am not ready yet, that we are not ready. Maybe what God is working on right now isn't the thing or the answer that you're waiting for, but he's actually working on you, if we would pause enough to recognize it. When we say, why aren't you doing something? God might be actually saying something like, because you're not ready yet. You can't handle it right now. Just like the movie, you can't handle the truth. All dramatic like. Maybe that is true to some degree. Sometimes it's true we're simply not prepared or we're not quite at the level of maturity that God wants us at to be able to handle what he is going to do next. Sometimes we aren't able to handle the next step, let alone the outcome that God has planned. Now, we don't want to think about that because we like to think, yeah, I'm pretty mature in Christ. Bring it, Lord. But the truth is, we don't always want that because we're not prepared for what God is going to say. God might be saying to you, I want to mature you to grow your roots deeper in order to prepare you for what is to come. As it says in the book of Esther, perhaps you were born or made for such a time as this. God is probably teaching you right now, my friends, as you wait, whatever you're waiting for. In other words, I would put it like this, God is at work in you before he's able to work through you. See, we want God to work through us. 
We want to be doing significant things to serve the Lord. But often it's because God is already at work in us. And when we don't let God work in us, it's much harder for him to walk, to work through us. One example of God working in this way is with Saul. (coughs) Saul was, as he puts it in the Bible, he was the Hebrew of all Hebrews. He was the best example that he knew of following the law of God. And he actively persecuted Christians until one moment when he encountered the light of Christ. And when Jesus changed his life, the person that people knew as Saul was no more and now became known as Paul. It's pretty convenient. They just had to change one letter. So all the business cards he had before, he could probably just scratch them up and change S to P. Not too hard. Paul remade and reborn for God's glory. Now, when we read about the Apostle Paul, we know he was bold. He just would go into places and he'd preach the Word of God. He would bring the good news. People would hear it. They would respond. Churches would start and grow and thrive. But what we don't know is the exact length of time that God was working in Paul before he was able to work through Paul. We know it's somewhere between at least three years, but maybe as long as ten years. And for someone who wants to get going, imagine God saying, slow down. Paul wanted to go. God said, slow. All the while, What was God doing in Paul? He was building up his character within. He was teaching him a solid foundation of Christ. Of Christ within so that he would be able to stand up to the pressure he would face and be able to use the gifts that God gave him fully and more effectively. Could he have gone out right away and started preaching the word of God? Well, he could have but he wouldn't have been nearly as effective as God knew he could be without the waiting process. God was building up his Christ-like character. Friends, as you wait while God works in you, know this, you can still work. You can still serve and listen and grow because the kind of waiting that God calls us to is never passive. It's an active pursuit of God that even as you're waiting, you can still actively pursue what God is trying to teach you in these moments. Continue to wait faithfully and hopefully and prayerfully. Keep doing what God has called you to do and what helps you grow closer to God so that you will be ready at the moment that God says, Now go. Now do. When we take a step back for perspective, I know this has been true in my life, sometimes we need reminders that God is actually at work. When we read the Bible, sometimes we forget that people were waiting for hundreds of years for a Savior, for the Messiah to come. 
that 400-year gap between the end of the Old Testament, the last prophetic words, and suddenly Matthew, where we read John the Baptist coming on the, on the scene. For those 400 years, we don't have any record of God speaking through his prophets. It's sometimes called the quiet period. But if you look in history, those 400 years are anything but quiet. There was world-changing stuff happening in those centuries, even if God's people weren't directly hearing from him. It had been prophesied many times that the Messiah could, will come. And even though generations were waiting, they continued to say, how long, O oh Lord, do we have to wait? Many people thought that God had left them or abandoned them during this time because no one had heard from him in a long time. Welcome, James. Good morning. This quiet period actually reveals an important truth for them and us. See, what they didn't know is that the world was not ready yet for the Savior to enter in. Just because God feels silent does not mean that he is absent. God's presence isn't based on how we feel about it. The truth is that he is here. And sometimes when we don't hear from him or it seems quiet, maybe we are too loud or we're not listening carefully enough. Or it could be that he just isn't prepared to speak to us in quite the way that we would prefer. In those 400 years, God was laying the foundation. In fact, empires rose and fell Literally, roads were improved that had never been roads before. In those centuries, the Old Testament scriptures, which had previously only been available in Hebrew, which was a small regional language spoken only by some Jewish people and a few scholars. Finally, the Old Testament was translated into Greek, which was a language that many other people knew or at least learned conversationally. That was the language that people used during travel and trade and all of this. The, the scriptures were translated into Greek. They were suddenly accept, accessible to many more people. And during these centuries, Jewish people actually migrated. Sometimes they were forced to, and sometimes they did this willingly. And so you had Jewish communities of Hebrew people popping up all over the known world. Places like Alexandria and Antioch both then and now, and all over in different places, in Rome and other cities of significance. And God was preparing the soil so that when his good news went forth, there was already a group of people that might actually be receptive to that news. Communities where the Apostle Paul eventually went to. While people waited and hoped for a Savior, God was preparing the world for that moment. And at the perfect time, Jesus arrived. So friends, if you feel like God is giving you the silent treatment, remember that just because it feels silent does not mean that God is absent. I promise you that our good God does love you. He's not ignoring you. He loves you as you are. And he loves you too much to leave you as you are. Amen. 
God has not forgotten you. I don't know the specific reason why it might feel quiet for some of you. The reason that you may not have felt God speaking to you. I don't know your mind. Maybe it's something that's not quite ready yet. Maybe you are not ready yet to handle what is next. Or maybe God is about to lead you in a way that's not even on your radar screen. And if you knew that, you might be too scared and run away anyways. Or, I need to say this, maybe what you are asking God to do will never happen. Because God is not here primarily to give us everything that we think we want. You probably won't hear that on the TV preachers. It doesn't play very well. But God is not here to give us what we want all the time. And you may never know or understand the why in your particular case. Which is why we look to the Word of God to remind ourselves of what the Lord has already said and done for His people, in His people, and through His people. Isaiah 55 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Whenever I'm tempted to get a big head, this is a good scripture to read. To think that God needs me, that God is dependent on me, this is a good scripture to read. It puts me in my place. It reminds me that we can know God at a certain level, but there is part of God that is beyond our knowing. And that's where faith and trust come into play. We are not God, and we won't always know why he does or does not do things. It is in this uncertainty that we are called to take steps of faith. Trusting that God is working things out in the ways that are best, no matter how frustrating that might be. Our best interests, our best interest isn't always granting what we want. Romans 8.28, the well-known verse says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So that's what you're first called to do, to love, learn to love God. And then it says, who have been called according to his purpose. That when you love God, he calls you into carrying out his will, his purposes here on earth. And in all of that, he is working for your good. He has your best interests in mind. Way better than my interests or yours. Only this God is worthy of our complete trust. Because of this, though, we can believe that all things are possible. So my brothers and sisters, take comfort in this as you wait. Whatever you are waiting for in this season of your life, continue to place your trust 
in him. For the name of Jesus can save and restore your brokenness. Jesus can heal your hurts and grant mercy and comfort for the pain that you feel. And even if he doesn't act according to your will or desire, you can still believe that God has your ultimate good in mind. When I think of this, knowing that the Lord has my back, has your back, it helps me to continue to trust him with faith, hope, and love while we wait expectantly for what is next. I pray that God allows you to do so. Friends, will you join me in prayer? Father, we glorify your name. And as we bow our heads in reverence to you, we ask that you would build our faith and teach us to trust you. If we are shaky or uncertain, then increase our trust and belief in you. We know that you can, and so we cry out to you. Someone this morning is waiting for restoration, for healing, for your provision, for a job, whatever it is that we are waiting for. In this moment, we cast our burdens and our anxiety on you and await you, await for you to answer. God, as our eyes are closed and we prepare to receive from the Lord at his table this morning, we are reminded in your word that with you a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. We pray, O Lord, knowing that you are here, Help us to realize and remember that you came for sinners. You came for those who are broken. You came for those who are in need. And that when we cry out to Jesus, you hear us. You're willing to forgive our sins and make us new. So Lord, wherever we are and whatever we are feeling, remind us that we are not alone. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And now as we prepare to go receive this word from Scripture, from 2 Peter 3.9, it says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So church, we give thanks to God for this. May he bless you now and forever as you go out into the world to love and serve him and each other. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, church. We look forward to seeing you again.